0: Geekville Radio.
1: Hello once again, fellow geeks and geekettes. This is Seth, a.k.a. Xandrax, the mayor of Geekville, and the normal host of the Lesser Known Geek Hall of Fame. This is the month of October. And across all the Geekville Radio family shows, we have a Halloween theme going all month. And I do say normal host because I I am the host of Lesser Known Geek Hall of Fame. But we're doing things a little bit differently this time around because it is Halloween season. And I turn over the reins of Geekville Radio, you might say. And he will be taking over as temporary host for this edition of the Lesser Known Geek Hall of Fame, Crazy Train, Jonathan Bullock.
2: All aboard, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know if Seth's spread any breadcrumbs yet, so why don't we just go ahead and let the cat out of the bag, mm-hmm. and I'll introduce our guest uh, after that. But we're going to talk, instead of one particular individual or character or even a, a production studio like we did last October with Amicus, we're looking at a whole group of people, and those people are horror. There are many, some well-known, some lesser-known, we're going to talk a little bit about all of them. We've each are going to talk about one of the horror hosts that is near and to our heart because they're the ones in our local area that we grew up on seeing. And I thought this is October. Every October, I like to bring in this gentleman because he does live in Zombie Land, the USA. And he is the perfect guy to talk about horror hosts because they had a, a, a famous one in, there in Pittsburgh. And that is Uncle Greg Okaba. How are you doing, Greg? Good evening. But
0: you must say my name, Okaba. Say, say again, Okaba. Okaba.
2: That's a wonderful yes. Bella impression.
0: <laughs> yes, yes. Delighted to be with you. and I, I am still speaking Hungarian because mm-hmm. but the stress has been in ghosty this weekend. <laughs> yes. Yeah. For
2: those that, that are fortunate enough to follow Greg on, on Facebook, he posted some incredibly
0: awesome uh, stuff this past it was a MonsterCon in Pittsburgh this weekend. Monster Bash in, in north of pittsburgh greater pittsburgh it's an amazing retro oh. it's all old school stuff i mean and it actually dips quite heavily into our subject matter for today
2: oh i'm sure i, I have to give kudos publicly right now the the costume with the cape and the the, the medallion everything all the way down to the slick back here at the widow's peak dead on
0: man uh, excellent hey, job at, <laughs> at cosplay <laughs> yeah, it's a, yeah it dipped into my own natural Eastern
2: Europeanness. <laughs> 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 are you trying to say you're and of course we like Seth's already introduced himself? He'll be covering the Chicagoland area. I'm I'm the resident southerner on this, so I'll be talking a little about horror hosts from the South. I guess we need to start if we're gonna start talking horror hosts, and y'all can cut me off anytime you want, we need to go back to those halcyon days of early television, because that's kind of really where it all starts. And yep. horror hosts are, for lack of a better term, a person, an individual to play the character that would be packaged with these public domain and syndicated B productions of a horror movie that would do uh, a you know, introduce and finish the show and come in and out commercial breaks. And the first I can really think of, and is generally regarded as the first horror host would be Vampyra. I'm sure both
0: of you are familiar with her, correct? It's Definitely. Yes. Vampyra. Yes. Yes. Yeah, There's a documentary right. about her on Tubi TV right now that I need to watch. Oh, okay. On Tubi. Well, that's free, folks.
2: So, there you go. She looks a lot like what you would think with Vampira. I think she only ran for, like, a year in Los Angeles. Like, set yeah. like 54, 55, something like that. And kind of created the template for what a horror host would be. Mm-hmm. She, she obviously was a, especially aesthetically say, speaking, was the template for, like, L- Lily Munster. A little bit of, of Morticia, though, Morticia had already been drawn by Charles Adams in the comics. But this vamped up female vampire with in tight dress, the long fingernails, the goth look with the dark hair. And like I said, she started in L.A. And you must remember, in this time, L.A. was just beginning to take over television and movies. Still, the center for that was still New York City. I cannot remember the details. Was there not a lawsuit, a couple of lawsuits? Throughout the years where her estate or she herself sued, like I think Vonum, Roger Vodum for Barbarella and the name, and also
0: Elvira, who we'll speak on later for her look. Am I wrong in that, Greg? Anyone y'all remember that? Yes. Yes. I, I can speak to the one with Cassandra Peterson. Not not as familiar with the other one, but I do know that um yeah, there's a story about that. I, I guess I could speak on it while we're on it now. But All yeah, right. my is that the original idea for Elvira was like gonna be a like a new yeah. vampira. And when that didn't work right. out, they just Cassandra playing a totally different character because they their personalities are nothing alike. But right. they no, they, have, no. but they, but they dress kind of alike. Even their hair is totally different. But yeah, Mylan Nurmi kind of felt like she was getting shafted and she sued. And unfortunately, I, I don't think she got anything from that because uh, she she really didn't get much credit financially for what she did, I don't think. Her her best known appearance today is probably Planet from Outer Space.
1: Yeah, that's where yeah, I get the name with from. Thor yeah. Johnson.
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> Which is funny
2: with when you think about it, because Planet Nine from Outer Space became a regular on these type shows, but that was, he started in the mid 50s yes. and they really, really would kick in in 57 when uh, Screen Gems, which is now owned by Sony, but at the time I believe was owned by Universal, packaged this deal that they would, they would send out to television markets all over the country called, called Shock, Shock, one word with an exclamation point and yep. they were these like i said public domain movies old sci-fi horror movies black and white and they based on the success of vampire in the LA market encouraged the local networks to create their own horror hosts for that local market and and do a, a similar you know thing where you'd have the host come in and they these hosts would vary from vampire who tried to be very fish you know and dark and mysterious to others that were more
0: just campy and silly, and we're yeah, going to cover all of time, those. Go ahead. A, a lot of times, it was like the weather van at the TV station just throwing yeah, across, yeah, on feet or something. Yeah, it <laughs> yeah. reminds it reminds me. We talk about on our wrestling podcast.
2: It's not that dissimilar from the same time frame when you had regional territorial wrestling as opposed to a national company, and the play by play man was often the local weatherman who yeah. happened to be working at the TV station. That the wrestling promotion was filming their their matches. So, whether they <laughs> stayed very busy
0: <laughs> between that's, wrestling and now, that's, you know, or oh, speaking, and, and that segues nicely into Pittsburgh's best known one, which was Chili Billy Cardinal, who was the brother uh, right. WIIC, which is now WPXI Pittsburgh. And yeah, yeah he, was, he hosted Chiller Theater for many, many years. And that show was so popular that it preempted Saturday Night Live for many years. Wow. Which, yeah, it, that was in the '70s in the Edward Belushi days. Yeah, WIIC wasn't showing it because Chiller Theater was that popular. They wanted their regional, their local programming. So, yeah, that's a well. Ch- but Chiller may have been a, he started that back in the '60s, didn't
2: he? Didn't he start yep. it back in the '60s? So it was pretty well established.
0: Yes, yes. So, that, so yeah. he he had a following, and yeah, unfortunately, he was pretty much uh, done by the time I grew up. I think you think they ended in like '82, '83. And, yeah, I was born in the 80s, so uh, I, I never got to experience him. And, sadly, most of that work was shot live. It does not exist on video of any sort unless someone was lucky enough to have a VCR, in which case, if you have chiller theater on video, you're, you're sitting on gold, and you, you can, like, bootleg that and print money. Oh, and right, I, I didn't want to, get, to make the
2: wrestling analogy, we don't have a lot of the wrestling stuff from that era and the territorial yeah. days for the same reason. It was exactly. often shot live to take on VCR tape, which in the 70s was really expensive. It wasn't yep. the cheap stuff we could buy at stores
0: in the 80s. So uh-huh. to save money, they would just tape back, they would tape over. That's then- why we don't have much of um Chili Billy's wrestling hosting, which was a program called Studio yeah. Wrestling in the 60s. Yeah, and Pittsburgh. yeah he he was, yep. he was yep. Prominently featured on that with Fernando Savartino and, and the like. That's still beloved by the great haired Yenzers to this day that they'll speak fondly of sure. studio wrestling. Some of them still refer to pro wrestling in general is studio wrestling.
2: <laughs> but Chili yeah, Billy had his thumb in both of those, though. So. And, and I bring up, once again, uh, to make a wrestling analogy, though this isn't a wrestling show, in your local market, yes, you've got your national stuff. You need Dallas, All in the Family, Happy Days, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. But your local stars, like a Chili Billy, you saw them on television every week, too. So when you saw them out in the Pittsburgh area, they were still a celebrity because you saw them on TV every week. Oh yeah, and, and yeah. It, it just it, it was what it was. I mean, here's going back to the '60s makes sense because '57 Screen Gems release releases shock, but then uh-huh. later on in the '60s they release another group of films called Creature Feature, once mm-hmm. again in, encouraging people to these local networks to to employ horror hosts, and they really broaden the library. These are no longer just the old Universal monster movies. These are. We're starting to see like this is probably a lot of people's early exposure to Godzilla and some of the kaiju films. A lot of the atomic scare, red scare stuff from the fifties. An early public domain cut of the original Night of Living Dead by George A. Romero is released in this package. Which is probably why that movie, on top of being kind of reinventing what we knew as zombies at that point on film, is why it's so well known. Because unlike
0: other horror movies of his era, he went public domain very quickly because it was independently made. And and there, was just- yeah, it was a copyright schmazz, yeah, where they had to do with them forgetting to mm-hmm. the title card, and the covering on the title card. And they, They've been trying to write it in recent years to their credit, like when, when Greg Nicotero uses footage from that in, Creepsh- in the Show series, that uh, he does it, does it the uh, right way to he because he's a local fellow. But yeah, yeah. It, it, it was pretty easy to get Night of the Living Dead. still is to this day. He's a if disciple Who's a disciple of Romero, so
2: it makes sense on the family there. Yes. You know, we're, we're still two months away from Christmas, but that's the same thing with This Wonderful Life. They didn't mm-hmm. get the copyrights, and so it just played because it was television to play. Two movies that have become classics of their associated, simply because they were independent films and nobody they forgot to get copyrights on. I don't know why the horror host package and idea seemed to, to work better in the bigger cities. So a lot in the Midwest, up north where you are, Seth, and, and out west in LA. We just don't have a lot of big cities in the South, but we did have some. I do before I move on to a southern one, and then I'm gonna throw to you, Seth, let you talk about Chicago's florals. Mm-hmm. I think it is important to mention in the early days, since we are talking Los Angeles and, and New York, two of the oldest lava vampira would be Zachary in New York City and Philly, and Sinister Seymour. In L.A. Thackerly, his real name was John Thackerly. He changed his name. He kind of had a ghoulish zombie-like look. I think he was kind of a mainstay there in New York and Philly for a, a long time. I want to say probably 20 years. Very, Very famous. famous. Yep. Yeah. And then Sylvester Seymour was actually a character actor in Los Angeles because of that's where the film industry was. And he was friends with a lot of the big stars of the time, you know, Clark Gables, the, 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 the John Wayne, those types. But he was a character actor. And he created this, he created this character, Sinister Seymour, who was a, just kind of a, a ghoulish kind of, he wasn't really a ghoul, he was just kind of creepy. And would wear the hopper cape and the, the phantom type hat. And he was the, he was the guy who replaced Vampira in LA and, and was the long running host in LA. I think KLA was the, was the station he was on. And he was so well-known in LA when Knott's Berry farm decides to create this Halloween theme of not scary farm in 1973, they bring him in to host a review on one of their main stages. He became really, really big, but I think between him, vampire Zachary, they're, they're kind of your earliest in the second generation would be Philly Billy. And with the guy I'm going to mention, who was actually based out of New Orleans, uh, Louisiana, and that was Morgus the Magnificent. I remember him because I was probably six, seven years old when I did in New Orleans. And so this is the perfect time for a horror fan like me just to really start enjoying these late night horror marathons. Much like you said, Chiller Theater was. And, and I not remember the name of the one in New Orleans, but he he played your typical mad scientist. And he had a, a an assistant named Chopsley, <laughs> who he just you know, abused. Think Dr. Bunsen and Beaker from the Muppets and you kind of got the dynamic mm-hmm. between top three. Mm-hmm. Morgan's the Magnificent. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had a very, very local centralized set. They made it look like it was the the attic over the old ice house on the French Quarter there in New Orleans, instead of an old castle or something like that. That's and cool. there was even a fire pole in the corner that I remember a couple of times they slid down and actually went out in the street to the French Quarter. So, oh, cool. I mean? New, New Orleans is a city that's Pretty well known to be creepy, anyways, with its voodoo tie ins the, the fact that every major cemetery there is above ground. So, so
0: <laughs> you know, it, it
2: already has that, but I remember that. I think that was the first time I saw, like, maybe a Godzilla film was watching one of his. I know the first time I saw Tarantula was watching one of his children's films, which is one of my favorite 50s giant insect creature features. Thanks a lot, John um, Agar. It's good stuff. Yeah, great, great stuff. Highlighted last year in my, in my lesser-known horror movies. Yep. But anyway, that was kind of the guy for I can't remember one in Atlanta or Miami or any of the other major cities in the South, but I do remember Morgus the Magnificent. He was a big one. He was New York. All, and this is a major city. It, it, so it, it was well-known. I don't remember him being so popular that canceled out Saturday Night Live, but um, <laughs> it's, it's possible. Now, if we're talking L.A. and, and, and New York, which you've already covered, the third biggest city in the United States is your hometown, Seth, Chicago. And mm-hmm. y'all have one of the biggest horror hosts of all time, which is actually two people. So, mm-hmm. do you want to talk a little bit about Chicago's local horror host?
1: Yep, a- absolutely. The main one in Chicago who was one of the innovators is the name Sven Gulli. And unless you're around my age or older, you might not know that there were actually two Sven Gullis. The original Sven Gulli was created by a man named Jerry Bishop, working for, I believe was WFLD at the time. And he created the character of Sven and it was much the same thing. They would show the old black-and-white horror or sci-fi movies, and he would introduce them. The look of the original Sven if you didn't know any better, I'm only halfway joking when I say this. You might think it's like an alter ego of Rob Zombie or something like that because he 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 had the long <laughs> hair and and the kind of bushy goatee, wearing sunglasses and you know kind of kind of out of style clothing. I'm going to put pictures of all these hosts that we're talking about in the show notes at at Geekville Radio, so everybody can see what we're we're talking about here. But he was Spenguly for about three or four years, and then he had actually left. WFLD, which is 32 in the Chicagoland area, and he went to radio. Uh, So he stopped being Svengoolie because he he just stopped working for the station. A few years later, a man named Rich Coase came along. He was around 79, and he had actually worked with Jerry Bishop behind the scenes on the Svengoolie show. He got permission from Jerry to revive the show, so he became son of Svengoolie, and that's the one that I remember growing up. And so it ran for a few years. He he did look different. He he'd wear like kind of like a top hat, and he'd kind of have this shaggy hair, clearly painted on mustache and goatee, and really almost kind of like a parody of the like like the somebody who might live in a haunted mansion or something like that. It's probably the best way I can put it. It, it, There's uh, a lot of different kind of clashes in 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 the way that he would look, where you could tell where the inspirations were from, and really Mm -hmm. it was. Son of Svengulli that popularized a lot of the stuff that we, I shouldn't say popularized, but I, I know he inspired a lot of people, including Mr. Science Theater creators, because he was one of the guys that would do the audio gags. It would be called Sven-surround, which anybody knows radio knows what that's a playoff of Sven-surround. And that's where you'd get kind of the, maybe some voiceovers or some sound effects or something to to kind of laugh at the movie. And one of the regular gags was when somebody would name a city, uh, especially if it was sounded like Berwyn in Illinois. You'd, you'd hear a group of people go, "Berwyn,
2: Berwyn, yep. yeah."
1: And to Ber- explain so, to explain that joke to anybody that yeah,
2: please, because anybody that's watched Van
0: Gulley and doesn't live in uh, look, we're in we're in the dark, so please enlighten yeah. us. Uh, yeah, Oh well, we're making, making up as in the dark as you might think because Sven Gulley is nationwide now on Yeah Me TV. Oh yeah. Is, uh, Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. He, he, he shows the top quality universal stuff every every Saturday night at 8, mm-hmm. uh, eight 7 Central. Right. So 8, 7
2: Central it's, on MeTV, yes. Yeah. But what Berwyn is, I don't mm-hmm. know if uh, yeah. that poor roof down here in the South I know what it is. Except right. for the <laughs> best
1: way I can explain Berwyn, and of course, this is no disrespect to the people of Berwyn, because it's actually it's not a bad neighborhood at all or anything like that. It's just the best way I can describe Berwyn is the only reason people would want to go to Berwyn is because they're going home and they live there. It's just yeah. no, nothing really happens there, so you don't you don't think reminds, of like the the, the, the the streets of Berwyn or the. Right, you know.
2: but it re- reminds me of a small mountain town we have here in South Carolina that the last facility I worked at was in it's called Pickens, mm-hmm. named after you know an early politician here in South Carolina near Clemson, where Clemson University is. And my old my ex father in law used to always say because it was so small and so just nothingness. The only the only reason you should have business in Pickens is if you have a business in Pickens. I think yeah. kind <laughs> of, <the laughs> same of like that, yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, anyway, I get that. I get it. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: But back to Sonusvanguli, Coes was Sonusvanguli until the mid eighties, eighty 86, because that's when Fox started their TV network and became kind of the fourth ah major network and they bought wfld to become fox 32 they did not think that spengooly fit into their uh, programming so that show got canceled but he still stayed on with 32 he just became himself and started hosting a kids thing for for afternoon where they show like cartoons and stuff and he still would Uh resurrect the spengooly Sven spengooly character to do that but he would do that just a, a, as a gag, it would, be, it would be self-contained jokes. Usually, he was just Rich Coase, and then right, okay, he'd do a thing where he might talk to Svenguli, and it's clearly you know, two different camera. You know, oh,
0: yeah,
1: but but it's obvious as they're the same guy, um, right? And then in the mid '90s, that's when the WCIU ca- came around, and he started working for them, and that's when he got the permission from Jerry Bishop to just go by Svenguli, The explanation being, well, you're grown up now. Because he was like an old, in his late teens <laughs> when he first started. So, so that's why he's been Fen- Guli, and he's been Guli ever since. And that also led to a little bit of confusion about eight years ago when Jerry Bishop passed away. He was in his late 70s at the time. so Because he, he had spent most sure. of his radio career after leaving Chicago, he spent it in San Diego. Uh, that's why he really wasn't mm-hmm. known around here. So there was some confusion when people heard, oh no, Guli died. They thought it was Rich Coe's. And of course, I knew but that it was the the, Jerry the original Bush. guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but since well, Rich that, Coase that, had been Sengooly for so happen. long, yeah, it's understandable. But yeah, the, he I can definitely go to some son, son of Sengooly gags in my youth that have stayed with me. Not not just the Berwin. Yeah, he would actually play clips from what was I didn't know at the time. Stan Freberg Productions where it was like a thank you for all the cards and letters and the way some people he would still scream does that. and. Stuff okay. like that, stuff from uh, the, the the Dragon Net gag that right, right. Stan Freeberg used to do. So that's that's my entry there. Is, is and if we had to admit because I know that Sven national now, so I don't know if he'd qualify for lesser known. We could always say that. Well, we'll just we'll just induct the original Jerry Bishop Sven because he had there been no Jerry Bishop, <laughs> there wouldn't have been Son of Sven and no Sven now.
2: Right now, I, I would say, and I want your, your input on this, Greg. I would mm-hmm. say we have talked about Vampire, Zachary, Lee, Sinister, Seymour, kind of being the originators. I think Singuli, the original Singuli, probably goes in that. Cause that's the three biggest markets in, in television It's probably the originals. Whereas Morgan the Magnificent and you know, Chili Billy and stuff like that are probably the second generation. Are you in agreement on that, or would you put well, him more than the second generation?
0: Singuli, he he's first as far as influence. I would say, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, because there's people. People say Berwin now, not even maybe even realizing that what, what they're the, talking about—that
2: there actually <laughs> no. is a Berwin.
0: So, the so show was that this past weekend there were more than a few people wearing Spengler merchandise.
2: Oh well, I mean, like we said earlier, he now that he's national, I get it. So, mm-hmm. yep. yeah. Well, that's just a little look at some of the ones we remember fondly from our local areas and our youth. We're gonna take a break right now and sell some sell some stuff. And when we come back, we'll just, we'll talk a little bit about some other ones just briefly that were across the years, different regions. And uh, then maybe get into where we are now with, with Borno. So why don't we sell some stuff right now, Seth, and we'll come back on the other side. All
1: right. That sounds like a plan. This is the lesson on Geek hall of Fame, and we'll be right back.
2: Are you looking for a gaming-themed podcast? Then check out You Just Got Frag. Join host Jared Aubrey and this panel of gaming enthusiasts as they discuss news and accomplishments in the gaming world and, of course, the gripe of the week. That's all at youjustgotfragged.com part of the Wrestling Brethren
1: podcast family. All right, we are back. Lesson on Geek Hall of Fame. We're doing something a little bit different this time around. We are talking horror hosts, and we already talked about the original horror hosts that we figured inspired so many and why we think they are our latest entries, but we can't really talk horror hosts without getting a little more modern and some of the characters that... We have loved over more recent years. So, Trane, I'll turn it back over to you to kind of explain what we mean by that.
2: Yeah. Well, before we get onto that, let's let's go ahead and just list a few others that were mm-hmm. local. If you guys remember or ever heard of them, wouldn't mind you throwing a throwing your two cents worth in. Another one that I I know of pretty well is the cool the the cool ghoul, which was Cleveland's uh, horror host. Any mm-hmm. of you familiar with that particular individual?
0: Uh, yeah. No. Cleveland is a hotbed of that stuff, and it's close enough to. Me oh yeah a lot of that stuff comes over. There was a fella who is a regular at the Monster Bash called The Son of Ghoul, and he actually is probably the longest-running continuous horror host. He's been going 35 years straight without taking a break. He's been on every week with but yeah, just continuously going. and Yeah, he's always fun to see there. And yeah. M- M- to, M- going M- back to Lardy, early Ernie Henderson in the 60s, who Drew Carey is, is a big promoter of. Lardy was, what was it, he was he was he was Cleveland and cool cool was Cincinnati, right? Uh sounds right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> after after about Akron, Ohio, where some ghoul is from, I get a little fuzzy but yeah. Okay. I I've been to Akron a couple
2: <laughs> times. <so. laughs> oh, well, it's once again, like I said, these are Midwest towns. These are I we just didn't have I guess late night wrestling was more popular <laughs> in the <laughs> South than the the the, the 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 creature feature. Horror stuff, but I brought up Morgan the Magnificent. We had them here in the South, too. I mean, am I wrong in saying both Ghoulardy and and, and Cool Ghoul? They almost had a delivery similar to, like, Emo Phillips for us children of the 80s. Remember him as a stand-up comic. Kind Mm -hmm. of this just very deadpan, weird, strange delivery. Maybe a little bit of Huey Herman. Am I wrong in in making that analogy?
1: No, no, not at all.
2: No, I didn't think so. Mm -hmm. Another one that I remember, because he ties into Morgan the Magnificent, I don't know if y'all have heard of him, would be Sir Graves Gasly. Have either of you heard of him?
1: I've heard the name, uh, but I don't think I'd recognize him.
0: Do you Do you familiar with him, Greg, at all? Uh, I've heard the name, haven't really followed his material too much. I probably saw it if he was on the documentary American Scary, which covers this subject. He was. He was. Yeah. He was the uh, Detroit's horror host for, for years.
2: The, the interesting thing about Sir, Sir Graves Gassley is, like I said, he was a choice guy. Well, I think he had a dispute, like money or something with the station there in Detroit in the mid-60s. And they hired Morgan's the Magnificent away from New Orleans after he'd been doing it for about four or five years there, brought him to Detroit. And, I don't, and it's not that I think that, that he did bad in Detroit. It's just much like Chili Billy was in Philly, like Swinguli was in Chicago. They wanted their guy. And eventually there was an agreement made. He went back to Detroit and Morgan went back to New Orleans and the rest is history. So he had more of a a Vincent Price kind of just scary, creepy guy thing than a character like Sven or Vampyra. So those are some of the ones that I I can remember from having seen on documentaries or or those rare clips we find on YouTube. But like you brought up, Seth, I think things started to change in the late 80s because with cable overlay, these idea of regional stuff wasn't exist. We'd actually had national networks besides the, the over-the-air. There were 24 hours, they needed programming. So just like in the early days of the regional television, they turned to cheap public domain, B-horror movies, sci-fi movies. And one of the, f- the first two networks I can remember really p- p- d- going whole hog into that were USA Network and the Turner Network. And that gave the rise, arguably the most well-known horror host, Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, who had started in L.A. as a replacement for Sinister Seymour when he passed away of cancer in the early 80s. And she was tied to a Twitter network, if I remember You brought up Christina Peterson, that's her real name earlier, Greg. What are your thoughts
0: on Elvira? Do you agree she's the most well-known horror host of all time? Yes, she is the queen of them all. She's been at it for so long for many reasons. I mean, it's easy to think of two good reasons why she's stuck around so long, but she is the best at what she does, I would have to say. and she's yeah, always fun to watch, and uh, a very nice person. I met her once, and, yeah, she's a very, very warm with her fans, and her style of humor has held up really well. And, yeah, I can't really say enough good things about her. I, the thing kills me about Cassandra
2: is, I think, yeah, yeah, if you look at her history, she started out as, like, a model and a, a showgirl in Vegas. She wanted she to go did? To, to, yeah. Yeah, yeah, she wanted to go to L.A. and be an actress and a comedian, And it was a random chance meeting she had with Elvis in Vegas where he said, honey, do it. And she did. And I think much like we talk about when we talk about the comic book stuff on regular Geekville, the Tom Hiddleston, who's this Shakespearean-trained actor who's just dove into the Loki persona and accepted Mm -hmm. the fandom. I think Elvira was, you know, Santa Cruz was kind of first to
0: do that, don't you? Well, yeah, kind of. Yeah, she started out, I think she was in The Groundlings, the comedy troupe. and Yeah, she was. She became yeah. She got into the you Elvira know, gig because she was collaborating with like the likes of Paul Rubens and John Paragon. Uh, like and in L.A., which is they lost signature Seymour, so they're just looking for a placement. There you go. Mm-hmm. Another big one
2: that I think around that time you're you're really knowledgeable on. I think he replaced Elvira on the Turner Networks, so and that was on Grandpa Al Lu- uh, Lewis from The Munster. Greg, yes.
0: Uh, it- when did that? When did that happen? Can't remember. Uh, it, That was the mid-80s, mid to late-80s. Uh, when, when I first got cable TV, I was probably eight, nine years old. And uh, every Saturday morning, Grandpa Munster would host Super Scary Saturday. And he'd show like a Hammer Films movie or a Godzilla movie or something else great like that. And he'd be uh, <laughs> in varying states of inebriation, but, which only added to the entertainment. I, I would my
2: have, understanding it was...
0: Yeah, my understanding was he wasn't really a fan of, of
2: alcoholic adult beverages, but maybe some herbal remedies as well. Is that correct? Is that what you call uh,
0: I, I, I believe there is some truth to that, yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, I'm not going to say that his uh, dry ice machine was something other than dry ice, but with the way he's-, <laughs> he's trying to put two and two together.
2: Right. I mean, I'm a little older than you, Greg, so I, I was in high school when, when he started, maybe even college. So it was, like, kind of obvious to me. And like you said, that was part of the charm and the humor was, is this an actor? Is he just, like, wasted?
0: I have a couple of those on video. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, uh, I remember I remember that becoming
2: so popular. And I can't remember if it was really Al Lewis or it was an actor doing a version of him as a horror host, wanting to be a real journalist in the Gremlins 2 movie. Was that Al, yeah. was that Al or was that,
0: a, was that an actor? And, and, and it was an actor... Playing him, but if they wanted to get him, they probably could have. But they they didn't think they could get him, so they got a guy imitating him. But well, if Alex Smirnoff and a couple of joints, he probably would. Sounds like yeah. And, um, and you know, uh, the one the one episode I remember when we when we first when I first started watching that show, it was also around the same time that our family got a VCR. And I remember my aunt had came before I did, and she recorded Super Scary Saturday for me. Knowing that I was a big fan of that stuff, she taped Godzilla's Revenge for me, and she's yet. Yeah, not one of the more illustrious outings for Godzilla. It's a straight-up kids' movie about a little boy who daydreams. But it is a, a Teletubbies movie, though, right? Hmm? Oh yeah, yeah definitely Godzilla, oh, yeah, it's, yeah. So, it's 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 legit. It's just it it knows its audience, and by then Godzilla was for the kids. Well, there was not just that not just that episode, but on uh, King Kong vs. Godzilla, they had kind of wrestling tie-ins with uh, Georgia Championship Wrestling, I guess, because uh, particularly yeah. on King Kong Godzilla, they had. Uh, I believe it was Jim Cornette and Michael P.S. Hayes giving their. I, I've seen this one. Yeah. That Hayes was all for King Kong, and Cornette was all for Godzilla. It was, it was pretty cool that they were able to do that. Superstation. It's
2: funny because Cornette is a geek like us.
0: He's mm-hmm. he's all into that
2: stuff. It's to the point where he's a, he's appeared with Vingulie on Vingulie's Me TV show, and he's a big he's you know, unpaid solicitation and advertising on his own podcast for that show. Yes. So, I, I get it. I think Gordon Lundman was the right guy working for Turner World Championship Wrestling at the time.
1: Yeah, it, but, it would not surprise me at all if Rich Coes was a wrestling fan, and that just kind of confirms it.
0: Yeah, uh, okay. so, he's, yeah, Sven Gulli has had wrestlers on his show. I believe Tommy Dreamer and Raven were on. Uh, it was a repeat a few weeks yeah, ago. Raven's perfect but, for uh, that. <laughs> <they were engineering. laughs> yeah. Sven was interviewing them. So, yeah, stuff like that. He, he Yeah, it's think part of that that, that crew, Yeah. Well, there's a reason why Classic Wrestling Memories is a part of the
2: Geekville Radio uh, mm-hmm. family of shows, because I think all geekdom has a crossover with wrestling, but I think horror probably has the biggest crossover with wrestling fans. But I, you're a big fan of the Munsters, Seth. Mm-hmm. Do you remember Grandpa Munsters' run as a horror host on Turner?
1: No, I didn't get cable until I was like in my teens, well into my teens, like around 92. Right. So, so I right. I really had no... Access to any cable stuff, and I I felt like I'd grown up uh, like gypped out of a childhood because of it. There, you, you know, so kind of
2: were. I'm gonna be honest with you. You kind of were. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. So, so yeah, I I really didn't have any familiarity with with cable shows until uh, the early 90s. Oh.
2: well, that was the Turner stuff, but you also had USA stuff. And USA, oh yes, Turner mm-hmm. Turner leaned into the the horror stuff. USA Network, which was the other big national network cable network at the time along with wgn from chicago was also they kind of lean not just into war they also would do like cheap action movies and, and 70s exploitation so there was a little bit more diverse but one and of the first i remember
0: was commander usa groovy movies what it was his show you hear him about? he was a little bit before my time but he's yeah he's still beloved to this day who i do remember on usa is uh, up all night with uh, Rhonda Shearer and Gilbert Gottfried. Uh, oh I was, yeah, I loved me some Rhonda Shearer and Gilbert Gottfried, particularly Rhonda, because I was yeah, I was about in my tween teen years around the time that I was watching her. And uh, you were and writing the demo for what Rhonda was programmed for. <laughs> yes, she would look at the camera, and I would get bashful. It's pretty bad when you can't look at someone on the TV without getting all uh, <laughs> getting all because she mm-hmm. was.
2: Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, Rhonda I'm a little older than you So I was actually Like a high schooler College age When she started So I definitely Understood what they Were going for And yeah. she's a 16, 17 year old Young man's fantasy She's a beautiful Voluptuous blonde woman who. Nothing against Elvira I think she's gorgeous too But she she's like, she, she goes into The golf stuff With the The black dress And the hair Rhonda just dressed In scantily clad Stuff And had Very large breasts I mean, she yes. was giving Dolly Parton a run for her money, and uh, <laughs> the way she would say up all night with well, that that you Yes, say up
0: all night. <laughs> yeah,
1: and she and she'd, she'd yeah, usually woo! bounce in her chair if she's sitting, and then you know, you'd see the other oh, bouncing.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and she would have guest appearances from various actors that may have been in the movies because she showed like all, all kinds of good beat stuff, like trauma sort of things, mm-hmm. and yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, the,
2: the work of, of you know. Like, you fan type, yeah. type
0: stuff. I remember her having Linnea Quigley as a guest in the. In the uh, Star, whenever she showed one of Linnea's movies, which was fantastic. That's got to be a teenage boy's just dream. To here together. I, I'm 41 years old, and that's still my dream. Yeah, there you go. Know, there
2: you go. So, yeah, it's. Just, I remember her even having a crossover with Vince McMahon at WWE because of mm-hmm. both of them being on USA. Do you, yep. Either one of you remember that? She oh, yeah. Or
0: something? Yeah,
1: yeah. I. I, yeah. I, I I didn't see it at the time, but I believe she was like a, one of the guest celebrities, like a WrestleMania or something like that.
0: Yeah. It's, 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 she right, accompanied
2: uh, Shawn Michaels, I think, to the yeah. uh, ring, didn't yes, she? Was, was yeah. When they were doing that whole thing, they had, like Pamela Anderson, her, and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Well, like, I said, yes. She didn't well, do just horror. She would do, she would do some action movies, like a Roadhouse or whatever, because USA would kind of lean into just B-movies in general, not just horror. So I think that, that all culminates in, and we've already talked a little bit about where Sven is now, and, and, and Elvira is back. She's on streaming network Shudder doing another show again. But probably second only to Elvira in most well-known oros will be the last modern-type host I can think of. That'd be Joe Bob Briggs driving to you. Uh, oh, my goodness.
0: Yeah, I'll tell yeah. you what. I'll, t- I'll tell you what. He was big in the mid-'90s to probably the early 2000s. Yeah. Yeah, my, my, I remember the name. My only regret, being such a huge rest, wrestling buff at that time, is that Monster Vision was on up against the syndicated ECW in Pittsburgh, and I, I chose ECW most of the time. And I, 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 I should have recorded one and like watched the other, but well, uh, oh. I, I'm trying to make up for it now. I mean, what is Joe Gibbs the male girl? So if if
2: you don't like blondes and Ronda Sheer, and you rather prefer brunettes. He's got the sex appeal on his show too. Joe Bob's character is he leans into that kind of Southern redneck. He's supposed to be from Texas. He wears yes. cowboy boots, and string ties, and he he has a Southern drawl. And he presents his shows like the old drive-in 60s and 70s. And what is the rating system he gives? I can't remember what it is. But he he very much understands, I think, the modern horror fan. when he He'll make comments like, okay, This movie does not have enough nudity and not enough graphic violence. We have a problem here. That's kind of the way he he looks at at critiquing movies as he does his wraparound segment. And I think he has, if Elvira is the queen, he's probably the king. Don't you agree, guys?
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, On our day, he's the king of the drive-in. He's hard to top.
2: And I know that they have people to work for the shows and help them prepare some of their, their, their skits and gags. But Joe Bob Briggs and Elvira both seem to, one, genuinely enjoy the, the slocky movies they're showing, and B, be quite knowledgeable in horror movies in general. Don't you agree? I would think you would have to be a fan
1: of that in order to do so much programming on it.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Yeah,
0: yeah. real work is real.
2: Yeah, there's the, the, the analogy all the time on Regular Geekville about Mark Hamill. He's a geek. Mm-hmm. I mean, He's... when he was cast as Luke Skywalker, he was going to the early days of Comic-Con. So. Yep. It, it, it is what it is. But I think that that, that takes us kind of into the 2000s and where we are today. So let's go ahead and take another break, sell some more stuff. And when we come back, we'll just talk about the legacy, maybe some adjacent stuff where it's obvious horror hosts have been an influence. And uh, then we'll wrap it up and, and call it a night. But let's go sell some stuff now. And we'll come back and do that on
1: All right. This is the Lesher Dungy Call of Fame. We'll be right back.
0: Attention all time lords and ladies. This message is being sent by Lady President Romana and the High Council of Gallifrey. Geekville Radio presents Examining the Doctor. Join Mark and Seth as they bring their signature blend of knowledge and humor about everybody's favorite Time Lord, the Doctor. From Hartnell to Whitaker, Examining the Doctor provides episode commentaries for favorite and not-so-favorite Doctor Who stories. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, GeekvilleRadio.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.
1: All right. We are back. And again, with the Halloween theme, I just want to put out there that if you're a Doctor Who fan, uh, Mark and myself are talking the Tom Baker story, Horror of Fang Rock, because we figured with it being Halloween time, what better story to do than a story that has horror in the title. So if you listen to all to examining the Doctor and have access to that story, you can listen to our commentary. All the but we'll should have all the episodes up by uh, probably by the end of the month here. Now returning to the show here, we are talking kind of the modern take on the late night horror hosts and train. I'll turn it back over to you as far as how we can sum sum this up here.
2: All right, well, get our know, obligatory Doctor Who reference in. You're both mm-hmm. who? If Tom Baker was an American instead of a British actor. I could totally see him being a 1970s late-night horror host. Couldn't you? <laughs> Probably, yeah.
0: <laughs> it would have been fantastic.
2: Uh, mm-hmm. and he had to change his costume. The hat. Yeah. The hat everything. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, horror hosts, we said they started in the early days of, of, of television. They became a, a fixture in local television. When cable comes in and it becomes national, they become national. We get the Joe Bob Briggs and the Elvira's of the world. But I think that their, their reach and their influence on television and just video media in general is felt in adjacent ways as well. I think to go back to the early days of television, definitely a pioneer in television and in horror-themed television, and sci-fi-themed television. Rock Sterling, in a certain level, was kind of a late-night horror host, but it was prime time. What's your talk about,
0: Greg? Um, you could kind of lump him in, yeah. But with a- anthology show hosts like him, are, are they're kind of a cousin to the horror host? There's like, yeah, the Crypt Keeper tells from the Crypt, uh, Freddy Krueger and sure. Freddy's Night. Average Hitchcock and average Hitchcock's Seth. Yeah, yeah, it, it's like a yeah, sort of a on a slightly different scale. One of one of my favorites is one
2: that probably a little before your time, Greg, but you might remember it, Seth. It mm-hmm. was called uh, Dark Room. It was an ABC show in the early '80s. that was hosted by James Coburn. I think uh, I think remember I remember seeing comedy, some James
1: Coburn in my youth, so that's probably might have been what it was. And of course, we we really kind of went without mentioning an obvious one, which it's not really host, but Mystery Science Theater. I mean, it kind of st- also had that vibe of the oh. the horror and sci-fi oh, yeah, stuff. I, I,
2: I think that that's totally those guys. Got, you guys are more knowledgeable on that than I and Laugh Track mm-hmm. too, for that matter.
0: Rift Track, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Rift Track, sorry. Well, Greg, you're, you're start, and Seth, you could add to what he says. Where do you see the tie-in and the influence of horror hosts
0: as a template for what they're doing on Mr. Science Theater? Dan uh, yeah, that, that's kind of uh, what started it. I think that was kind of the idea just with more, even more jokes thrown in. Because, yeah, just the idea of adding a little bit of silliness to the movie that they're watching wasn't really necessarily a new thing. But the MST3K took it to the next level. And Joel was on that American Scary documentary. Joel Hodgson was. Yeah. Teacher. So yeah, yeah, that's no accident. They're de- they're definitely part of the family as far as I'm concerned. It's a different branch of the family, but yeah, it, it's definitely part of it. Man.
2: Yeah, well, uh, well instead of being like these bumpers that you would see Elvira or Vampire or Zachary or Chili Billy or Sven, Sven do, they actually are commenting through the entire movie. Exactly, and you're laughing yeah. along with them. but so that that's a different take. And yep. I think even though they started in the '80s, they're still vibrant now and and and, and still have an audience. I think they were a little ahead of their time because now with social media and and instant reactions to everything, that's where we are. And they're doing it, and we can do it along with them.
0: You know, mm-hmm. So yeah, that's that's the great thing. Like the playing field is so level now. Like anybody can put out something like this, like that, like their own kind of hosted show, as long as they don't do anything too stupid. Try to. <laughs> Yeah, to it's, it's, it's put what put, put Star Wars on YouTube or something like that? Right. Well, I'm I'm never going to look down an
2: opportunity around Halloween time to bring up Rocky Horror Picture Show because I was a regular at that. You know, Charles uh-huh. Gray as, as as the criminologist and you know, essentially the, the narrator in that movie, he kind of lays he kind of lays the ground track for where you know he borrows from the horror host, but in the movie, it actually very meta if you think about it. And then, and he's making comments about the movie, and let's be honest. Richard O'Brien was going for that B. Schlott movie vibe with Rocky Horror. Yep. That kind of gives way to the Mystery Science Theater. He kind of lays the groundwork for it. And then you throw in, like we're talking about, this crowd participation. What made Rocky Horror such a cult classic? It was the, the crowd participation in the midnight shows. So, yep. You're a big fan of, of, of Mystery Science Theater, Seth. Mm-hmm. Do you see the Italians like Greg does and I do?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. And and like when I was talking about Sengguly earlier, Sengguly would do some of that stuff. Now, in the later mm-hmm. year he wound up doing it where they were separate segments. So they would play a segment of the movie and he would do, I don't know the full story behind why that stopped, and maybe it was something maybe the people who had something to do with the movies they were showing didn't like people making fun of it as they're watching it. So they made it a separate oh. gag. But yeah, he he would do he would do stuff like have little voiceovers and little sound effects and things like that, that would match with sure what we going on to, to, to you know evoke laughter to make it funny. So, but that then I think well, that he, I think even Joel has said that that was the type of stuff that inspired him because Joel is a, a Midwest guy. I think he, I think he was from, uh, I want to say Wisconsin. it was from Minnesota. Was it oh, Wisconsin? Okay. Yeah. So if he's from Wisconsin, he might've seen Svengulli. So. You know.
2: Sure. You said it would some some people would be upset. I think it depends on whoever the movie filmmaker was. I mean, Mm-hmm. I think Greg can agree with me. People like Lloyd Kaufman and Troma, they don't mind like this being made fun of. They kind of make that movies for a reason. I, right. I don't think Arcoff and the American International stuff, the Corbin stuff, I don't think Corbin or Arcoff would care. Maybe some guys who are a little more serious might, but I think that's part of the reason I'm drawn to horror is that it is a very broad spectrum of films, and you can be very, very serious like The Exorcist or Omen. Or he can be absolutely silly, like Evil Dead or Toxic Avenger, and they both have their audiences, and they often cross over.
1: Yeah. Although, for what it's worth, to this day, though, I, I want to say he's still around. I think he's in his nineties, but I can't read the name Bert I. Gordon without thinking of Kevin Murphy oh. as Tom Servo. Reading
0: Bert I. Gordon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's still alive. He he's been at Monster Bash a few times. Yeah. Not, not to be confused with Stuart Gordon or Herschel Gordon Lewis, who also had mm-hmm. movies that movie would show up on these types
2: shows. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the three Gordons, I like to call them, bad a bad horror movies. But I, I, think horror hosts. I think you're right. I think Crip Keeper, Greg, the Crip Keeper, and then like Nightmare on Elm Street, Freddy's Nightmares, with Freddy hosting, bringing Robert England. It's an anthology show. It's not movies, but they're horror themes, and they're they're doing the the same thing. They're doing they're doing the traditional. Vampire Zachary, Stringuli, horror host Stick. Especially when I read television. Oh,
0: especially yeah. Freddie yeah. is such a wisecracker. I think that was the first TV show, either that or Saturday night, Saturday Night's Main Event was the first TV show I ever recorded when we go to VCR. Well, <laughs> <laughs> here, here in South Carolina and our
2: market, Freddie's nightmares went head-to-head on dueling networks with the Friday the 13th series. Oh, wow. Mm. So, Fortunately for me being a horror guy, they wound up on the same network and they played back to back. I think Friday Thirteenth was the lead in for Freddy's Bite Bears. I think that was, but that uh, first think that was the key here were going too. Head to head was yeah, and they were both going head to head with the Pedicino Block out of Atlanta Wrestling. So I was really in a quandary. You
0: know? yeah. <laughs> like, what oh, is like? I, <laughs> what, what these shows? The shows we like being on opposite each other. I had to pick between ECW and Joe Bob Briggs. You had to pick between <laughs> those. it? Yeah. yeah. It's
2: just not fair. And I'm a college football fan, but all those games were over on Saturdays by like then. So <laughs> it was rough. So just to wrap it up, this is our latest inductee into the Lesser Known Geek Hall of Fame. Not one particular individual. We gave you a lot. Some obviously very well-known, some lesser-known, only to their local audience. And I think the horror host, or at least the concept, is going to be around for a long time. I think mm-hmm. that there, as long as there's schlocky movies, especially of the horror variety, there will always be a need or a desire by programmers to put comedy in into it, and this template has been successful for seventy years. So if it ain't broke, don't fit. I think it's yeah. worthy the that into our Western on Geek Hall of Fame. What do you yeah. want to wrap up? Add add on a brag as far as
0: horror hosts go, and Your thought on their legacy and their where they stand within the and, and as, 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 long, as long as there's movies, there's going to be that kind of stuff. I, I'm. I've been fortunate enough to meet a few of them at conventions that are still going today. There's a there's a couple in Cleveland right now called the Mummy and the Monkey who have a hilarious show every Friday night, which broadcasts on Facebook Live. And I believe they have a TV in uh, northeastern Ohio. They're uh, very kind people and have a very entertaining show. I'm glad glad I've gotten to know them. And another fellow who came to Philadelphia by way of the San Francisco Bay Area. His name is Mister Lobo, and he has a show called Cinema Insomnia and, Zombie, and- he has a Roku yep. channel called uh, OSI seventy four where he pr- he had he shows not just his own show but many other horror hosts and other fun genre stuff. He, there is a show he has on there hosted by Sleazy P Martini of guar right? Is, it's yeah, Sleazy Sleazy Pictures After Dark, which he primarily focuses on exploitation films uh, as owing to his sleazy persona, and, and he adds in riffs sure. and he's he's quite good too. So, but yeah, there's so much of that good stuff on. OSI oh, like 74, if you have a Roku, check it out.
2: Yeah, you, you bring up a good, good point. And I only forgot to mention that, that we talked about the interactive play of social media. I think that with streaming networks, you already mentioned Shutter and Tubi and a few others here. That's the next move in television. The fact that Elvira and Joe Bob Briggs, people like that are on them and, and stuff like YouTube and Twitch, and they're already there. So they're not going to go away. what what do you think about horror hosts and where they're gonna where they stand historically and where they're going
1: i pretty much agree with what greg said there i think they're always going to be around in some capacity the appeal of the b movie i don't think is ever truly going to go away there's always going to be somebody who will watch horror movies and whether they were serious attempts that just failed or whether they were movies that like a Sharknado or something, where they know that it's it, it's a form of comedy in itself. There's always going to be an appeal for that type of crowd. So, yep. I I also think though that while there's always an appeal there, I, I don't know how mainstream it would be. But in, a, in an environment now with this is the name of social media and anybody with a a webcam can have a show that can be seen around the world. It's a great thing because I think it's one of those things that. The pie is never going to get too small. There's always going to be room for people like that who like to talk about, yeah, watch, and maybe even make fun of movies. And I know that some of the names that we said are kind of go against what we are talking about being lesser known because I'm pretty sure that's about everybody knows who Elvira is. But what we like to talk about when we talk lesser known is people that inspired the people that went on to huge things. And I think that's why it's appropriate that we went with the format like this. But yeah, I don't think it's ever going to go away. It's just going to evolve. Yep,
2: yep, I agree. Well, that is our induction for this year's uh, Halloween themed lesser
0: known Geek Hall of Fame. Greg, you got anything you want to plug while we got you on? Uh, not really. But if you want to see what uh, the kind of costumes I make, you can look me up on Instagram. i have Cookbook Thor cosplay.
2: I also want to give you a little little, little, little public shout out. Besides your Bella, little ghosty costume and impression, nice work on Friday the Thirteenth Part Seven, Jason. My oh. favorite look for Jason. The first time Kane ever played him, of course. Um, yes. Thank you very much. But, you know, the, the true zombie Jason with the ribcage show in front and back. Very nice. Uh, yes, thank you very much. Yeah, it's, it's a good follow, ladies and gentlemen. Follow him on Instagram. He, Greg's a talented guy. That's why we have him on the show. Of course, like I said, yes. he's from Pittsburgh. That's zombie, zombie capital of the United States. So mm-hmm. he's always always welcome here on, on any of the Geekville shows. Greg, I'm sorry. I got you off. Uh, no, 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 I did I said I did my best. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Well, Steph, you got anything you want to add and, and give plugs for
1: all the shows and everything. Well, like I said at the top of the show, this is the month of October. It's the month of Halloween. We're all big Halloween fans. So it's always fun to do this kind of Halloween themed uh, crossover. You might say, if you want to call it a crossover, we are at dot com. That's the website you can go to for all of our stuff. You can look for our shows on pretty much any podcatcher out there. We're on, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, pretty much you name it. Anywhere you can get podcasts, you should be able to find us to search for Geekville Radio. We also have Classic Wrestling Memories, where we talked about the original Halloween Havoc. And I think that pretty much covers it as far as the Geekle Radio family. And uh, Train, if anyone wants to uh, talk to you about uh, Halloween horror stuff, where can they find you?
2: I'm always available on Twitter at crazytrain__jb. That is pretty much my handle across all uh, social media platforms. Do a search for there and you'll probably find. Love to hear your comments uh, on any of these, any of these platforms we're talking about. Tell us your stories about your favorite horror host. Maybe there's a one local one there that we didn't mention uh, that was in your market or one that you're uh, particularly a fan of. Once again, thanks to Greg Acaba for joining us from Pittsburgh. It's always a pleasure. Seth, you're the greatest editor and producer there is out there in the podcast world. We're going to wrap it up now until the next Lesser known Geek Hall of Fame. Just allegedly, we got one more Halloween themed podcast that will be dropping on Halloween Day, where we will go through all 31 of the lesser known horror movies that we have been posting on the Examining the Dead podcast, Facebook. And, and until then, I guess we're going to, you Seth, you're going to shut down the lights there in the studio, and we'll see y'all next time.
1: Yep. We'll, we'll shut down the power here. I'll probably put on a, a B movie of my own here, and we'll talk to you folks again next time. Geekville Radio is not sponsored or endorsed by any products or services unless specifically stated. The views expressed by the hosts and or guests do not reflect the views of GeekvilleRadio.com, the Wrestling Brethren podcast, family, or any of their affiliates. Some media used in Geekville Radio is the product of their respective copyright holders, all rights reserved. I just remember seeing a... Picture that was a whole bunch of horror hosts and it, and you name it. Everybody was down there. It's like, can you name your favorite horror hosts? And my first thought was, does Elvira <laughs> count twice? <laughs>